Articulation Guide 1.1 to 1.2 Review. My recommendation for you is to either have this pulled up on the College Board site or to have your copy of the Articulation Guide out and add notes and comments to it as we move forward. I'm going to keep these to be about 10 minutes because I think that's the perfect length of time and we will go through the articulation guide. If you need the digital copy, remember the easiest way is to go to Google and type in AP Human Geography course description um, and you will see a PDF file and I believe with the PDF file unit one um, starts on page 33. And if you have the Chromebook extension um, Karma, um, you can actually make notes on it as well. Um, so you can do that right on the PDF document. All right, so let's talk about 1.1. Uh, the title of it is called Introduction to Maps. Um, what the College Board says you need to know is that geographers use maps and data and remember when we talk about data, we talk about quantitative and qualitative data. Uh, quantitative data is the numbers and qualitative data could be something where you talk to somebody, um, more of quality information. And we use data to depict relationships of time, space, and scale. And we know how important scale is. And remember, not just map scale about breaking something down, but be able to look at an indicator like life expectancy, infant mortality rate, and to understand what is going on at different levels. So what is it going on from a global level, like more developed countries to less, de less developed countries, but then also from, okay, what's going on at South Carolina? What's going on from, let's say, the urban areas to the more rural areas when it comes to that indicator? So according to our learning objective, we have to identify types of maps, the type of information presented in maps, and different kinds of spatial patterns and relationships portrayed in maps. Um, and if you look, it really doesn't say what type of maps we need to know. So like the Mercator map, the Chloropleth map, it doesn't get us into specifics. But if you go over to 1.8.1, we have this idea of a reference map and a thematic map. So a reference map is very general. You use it as a reference. Um, where is the United States? Um, where is China? Very simple. Um, you're not getting a whole lot of information from it. However, when you talk about a thematic map, there's some type of theme, that's why it's called a thematic map, why you're looking at it. Um, so it could be something um, when it comes to like traffic patterns, there's a specific theme that you are looking at it. Um, maybe climate, again, that's a theme. Um, rainfall, a theme. So there's a purpose on why you are using that map. And then if you go down to 1.8.2, types of spatial patterns represented on maps include absolute and relative distance and absolute and relative direction clustering, dispersal, and elevation. So let's talk about that. Absolute location is the precise spot where something is according to some system. And when we talk about absolute location, 
remember we are using for the most part latitude and longitude. We're using our grid system. Um, remember latitude, think of ladder. Those are the horizontal parallel lines. They do not touch. Uh, they measure um, north and south, but they're drawn on the map east to west. And then longitude, think of long. Think of the poles. So they do touch at the poles. Um, they are drawn on a map north to south, but they measure east and west. And when we talk about relative location, relative distance, absolute, um, we are really talking about connectivity and accessibility. Um, how well two locations are tied together and then how quickly can you get from point A to point B. And remember that was really important with things like um, the time-space compression, the idea of distance decay and the gravity model. Um, and distance, obviously, extremely important when it comes to perspective and the spatial approach. We need to know where and why. Remember, those are the two essential questions in AP geography. And then when we get into this, obviously, we can talk about place and we can talk about the five themes of geography. Remember, movement, region, location, interaction, and place. And right before we left for this break, we started to get into site versus situation. So now we're starting to see how even in unit one, terms are coming all together and being used. And then we look at clustering, meaning close together, and we're gonna look for patterns on that. Dispersal means spread out. And then elevation, remember we talked about it with really with agriculture, with transhumans. Um, and then all of those, again, go into interaction, friction of distance. And remember, friction of distance, that when things are farther apart, they tend to be less well-connected. Could go into the gravity model. The closer you are to something and the larger the pull, the more interaction it's going to have with it. So kind of think about that with distribution, the way things are spread out over an area. Some areas might have a cluster or a concentration of something. So when we use the urban model, when we have two city blocks with the same density, they may have very different distributions. In one, people might spread evenly throughout the block, and the other might consist of large buildings where everyone lives and a large park where no one lives. So we look for those patterns of distribution, a phenomenon across a space to give us clues. Right? So we look for things like a linear, a circular, a geometric, or a random phenomenon, and then we try to make some type of association. If we go down to A.3, we know that there's something wrong with every map. And in here, we use the acronym SAD, right? And SAD had two Ds. So remember that every map is going to um, have something wrong with it, and it could be in shape, area, distance, and then direction. And remember, old school mapping is called cartography. And when we move into 1.2, we're gonna really talk about some of the new ways that we use, we use maps. All right, so the first one in 1.2, and this will be the last one for this episode. Geographers use maps and data to depict relationships of time, space, and scale. We have to identify the methods of geographic data and collection. So let's go over to 1.B1. Data may be gathered in the field by organizations or by individuals. 
Okay, we also do this through field observations where we could really go to a location and gather information firsthand. Um, or we can collect it. And if you look at B2 and B3, um, that's where they kind of look at it. But overall, here's that word. This really is about landscape analysis, looking at your surroundings and trying to make sense of it. So with organizations, we know that the government does this with the census every 10 years. We know that our district office is doing it with schools that are growing and we need more teachers or we need a new elementary school or by individuals, right? We know that people look at their space, we collect data. Uh, it could be at that local level with a neighborhood, how many buildings, how many homes are there building in a certain community. And then we go to this idea of collecting it uh, through geospatial technology in B2, right? So now we're using technology to actually help us get information. So when we do this, right, we know that we have GIS. And remember with GIS, I wanted you to know um, layers, that it's a computer system where you can build maps, identifying different layers or adding different layers to your map. Satellite navigation system. So really what they mean here is GPS and absolute location. So where are you at that moment, your latitude and longitude, any type of map program on your phone. Um, right now your phone is giving off your latitude and longitude. Remote sensing is usually done through satellites and they're gathering information. Uh, could be with aerial photography where you take photos and you pull information from the photo. And then online mapping and visualization is really all of these. So the idea that we can now use computers and digital ways to look at the association between two spots and plot two spots. And then if you go down to B3, spatial information can come from written accounts in the form of field observations, right? So you go right there, media reports, um, travel narratives, policy documents, personal interviews, landscape analysis, there we go with that word again, the landscape analysis, and photographic interpretation. Um, and we've talked a lot about how, um, like your phone, uh, Twitter, social media, how that's really changing all of this, right? So being able to access things from all around the world. Um, and being able to see things from all around the world and observe things from all around the world. Um, and remember, once that this information is collected, we have to interpret it. We have to look at it and look for those patterns and the association and try to ask the questions, the where and the why. Um, that is the end of 1.2. Next time, we're going to get into 1.3. Um, but I hope this has helped a little bit, kind of going back through the review. Let me know what you think.